Now, last week, we started a new series called When God. And in this series, we are exploring a universal frustration that we all have. We all know what it's like to ask God for something and to have him not answer, or to have him not answer the way that we want him to answer. No matter what your relationship with God is like, we all know what it feels like when we think God's ignoring us. We're in a difficult situation and we just think God isn't paying attention to what's happening for us. We know what it feels like when God isn't cooperating. I mean, you know, you know what that's like? You know, you're asking God to do something and he's not working on your time frame. He's not doing the thing that you want him to do. And we all know what it's like. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but we all know what it's like when God shows up way too late. When God's just not working on our time frame, we need him to show up in a certain situation in a certain time frame, do a certain thing, and God just isn't going to do that. So that's what we're exploring in this series. One of the things that makes those moments of life so difficult, even more difficult than they really uh, need to be, one of the things that makes it hard in those moments when, when we're asking God for an interview, like any interview, because we need a job. When we're asking God for a date, like any date, because we're lonely, right? Like any date will do. We're asking God to show up and, and fix a broken relationship that we're in. We're asking God to show up and, and remove a health issue that we've been battling for a long time. One of the things that makes those moments more difficult is when we look around us and we compare ourselves to other people. Dangerous thing to do when you're in one of those when God moments is to look around and see what's going on in someone else's world. So just a, a quick encouragement to you. When you are in your next when God moment, God, when are you going to show up? I encourage you to stay off Facebook and social media. Can I get any witnesses to that? All right, so not a great thing to do. Like, here's what happens for me. Like, I'm in one of those win God moments, and I start looking at Facebook, and I look at other people, and I think, what in the world is happening? God is showering all of his favor on them, and none on me. You know, they're taking great vacations, they're having fun with friends, buying new toys. I mean, everything seems to be going so well for them. What in the world is God doing ignoring my situation? And it's not that I want something bad to happen to them. I just want God to shower some of those blessings on me. I want God to show up in my situation and make my life a little bit better when I'm in one of those win God moments. So again, we all know what it's like. When we're asking God to show up and he's not answering our prayers the way that we want him to, or he's not showing up on the time frame that we want him to, or like we're going to explore today, he gives us an answer that we really don't want to hear. Now, last week we looked at what do we do when it feels like God is ignoring us? And if you missed that message, I strongly encourage you to go listen to that. You can listen to our messages each week from our website or our our iTunes account, whichever way that you choose to do that. But there's some great foundational truth in that message and in this message and in the, the message next week, this series that we're in, there's some foundational truth that can help us, help anchor us when we're in one of those moments, when we're feeling like, God, you're just ignoring me. You're not paying attention. The situation is so desperate and you're just kind of ignoring me. Well, today we're going to go a little bit deeper and ask a harder question. 
What do you do when God says no? What do you do when you're asking God for something, you're begging him to show up in your life in some supernatural way, and his answer is no? So anybody like to hear the word no related to you or something that you're asking in your life? No. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. That's perfect. Very, very appropriate. So no, like we don't like that. We don't want to hear the word no. When we're asking God to do something in our situation, we do not like to hear the word no. But sometimes God says no. I know it's a newsflash. I know it's like new information. But there are moments when God says no to us. And what do we do? in those moments. Now, today's message is going to be a lot like last week's message. It's not going to be one of those feel-good messages. You're not going to walk out of here today saying, yes, God said no to me, and I feel awesome. This is great. You're not going to feel that way. But again, the truth that we're discovering in this series is a truth that can anchor you in those moments when you feel like God's being inattentive God's not paying attention to your situation or God's just showing up way too late for you. Now, today's message is going to challenge some of our theology about God. See, some people grew up under the the teaching that if you have enough faith, God will always answer your prayers and God will always make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And if you are going through a financial issue, financial struggle, or a health issue, uh, a health thing that maybe you've been battling for a significant amount of time, there are some pastors that will teach that you have a faith problem. The problem you have in your situation is you don't have enough faith. If you had more faith, then you wouldn't be in that specific situation. Now, what we're going to learn today is that is not necessarily true. There are some moments, it's a faith issue that we're wrestling with. But there are many other moments. It's not about faith. It's about something else that God is going to do. So there are moments that we think if we can figure out the secret code, you know, there's a secret code with God. And if we can figure out what that secret code is, whatever it might be, whatever maybe we've been taught or whatever we think God wants us to do, like maybe it's, you know, attend church enough or serve enough, or if I can just figure out what this enough faith thing really means, if I can figure that thing out, then that will crack the code and God will do for me whatever I want him to do. He'll be my little genie in a bottle. Like I'll ask and he'll give it because I've figured out the secret code and I'm doing that specific thing. So one of the problems with that kind of theology is that when God says no, and again, we, we understand that God says no. When God says no, what do we start to think is wrong with us? Like we've messed up somehow. Like we don't have enough faith. We, we're the ones messing up. Maybe we forgot to ask God for forgiveness for something we did last week and he's punishing us. You know, maybe one, one Sunday we slept in and didn't make it to church and man, bad mark on the attendance record. And so now God is getting back at us. And we, we start circling into this, this questioning season where we're saying, what is wrong? What have I done I've got to figure this secret code thing out. And we think, well, maybe I need to serve more, attend more, read the Bible more, or figure out what this enough faith means. And then God will show up and answer my prayers. Well, what we're going to explore today is the story of a guy who did all the right things. This guy had more than enough 
faith. He passionately served God. He gave his life to doing exactly what God wanted him to do, and God still told him no. No, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. So today we're going to look at the life of Paul, at least a small portion of Paul's life. And if you're not familiar with Paul, his name was originally Saul, and his name got changed after a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. So he had this life-changing, radical encounter with Jesus, and, and his life changed so much that his name followed, and he got a new name related to that life-changing interaction with Jesus. So one of our, our mission as a church is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want people to meet Jesus. You meet Jesus and you have a chance for, for real change, not just change for today, but change for all eternity. And that's what happened for Paul. So he met Jesus and his life radically changed. And after that, he went around the world telling people how they could meet Jesus and how their lives could be changed. He went around the world starting churches so that those churches could learn how to be the church for their community. He wrote a majority of the New Testament part of the Bible, which is the part of the Bible written after the life of Jesus. I do not know of a guy, a more influential guy other than, than Jesus himself that, that God used to radically change the world than Paul. So Paul was used by God to significantly change the way that we do life and to spread Christianity around the world. And God still told Paul, no. Our story today is going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you brought a Bible with you, flip over to 2 Corinthians 12. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of our, uh, each seating section. If you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to, free to bring that up. If you don't have any of those, we're going to bring up the verses on the screen here. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 7. So this is Paul speaking, and he says, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now, remember that Paul had a lot he could have been proud of. So again, God had used him to radically change the world. God had used him to spread Christianity around the known world. God had used him to write a majority of the New Testament part of the Bible. There was a lot that Paul could have been proud of. And to keep Paul from getting a big head from all of his accomplishments, his achievements, he was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, I'm not sure if you've used that phrase or not. Maybe you have. Maybe you've used that phrase to describe you know, your job or your boss or maybe your mother-in-law or a, a coach that you have uh, or a difficult situation that you have in your life. You know? and, and if you have used that, maybe you didn't even know that came from the Bible. So one of the things I encourage is you should read your Bible because who knows what other cool biblical truth you're saying and don't even know it. You, know, you should know the source for this cool stuff that you're sharing. Well, this thorn in the flesh that Paul had, we're not exactly sure what it was. Uh, there are some Bible scholars that believe that Paul had extremely poor eyesight. There are others that believe that he had epileptic seizures that would just happen at, at any random moment. There are others be that believe they had this chronic illness that would not go away, and it just stayed with him day after day. So we're not exactly sure what Paul had for this thorn in the flesh. But we do know is that Paul said it tormented him. So it tormented him day after day. 
And I bet some of you can identify with that. Some of you know what it's like to have something torment you day after day. And maybe it's a health issue that won't go away. Maybe there's a death that you just feel like you've had a death in your family and you're struggling to, to get beyond that and to grieve in a way that, that puts you back into a, what feels more like normal life. Maybe there's an addiction in your world that's tormenting you every day. Maybe it's a, a job that you have or don't have, a relationship that you're in or you're not in. Many of us know what it's like to have something torment us day after day. Now, I used to be frustrated that God didn't tell us what this thorn in the flesh was. You know, like, why wouldn't you just tell us what it is? It'd be awesome to know that. And uh, the older I get, the more grateful I am that God didn't tell us what that thorn in the flesh was. See, here's what would happen. If we were told what that thorn in the flesh was, all of us who don't battle with that thorn would say, well, God can't help me in my situation. Well, God's not going to work in my situation. I can't fully identify with Paul because my situation is a little bit unique. So I think that's why God left it unidentified so that we could all identify with the struggle that Paul was going through with this thorn in the flesh. Now, verse eight says this. This is Paul again speaking. He says, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Now, this does not mean that Paul prayed for breakfast, lunch, and dinner one day and then was done. This means seasons of prayer. Paul entered a season of prayer and begged God, please, please, repeatedly, again and again, God, would you take this thing away from me? You know this thing torments me. It keeps me from doing what I want to do for you, how I want to serve you. Would you please take this thing away? Seasons of prayer that Paul entered. Now imagine the bargaining power that Paul had. Imagine the bargaining power that Paul had with God in that relationship where Paul could have said, listen, God, if you'll just take this thing away from me, I'll write even more of the New Testament. I'll take more missionary journeys. I'll start more churches. I'll risk my life even more if you'll just take this thing away. Have you ever bargained with God? Have you ever told God, God, I'll do this if you? Paul could have done that in that moment. Now, if you think about what Paul was asking of God, he wasn't asking God to do anything that God hadn't already done for someone else. In fact, Paul wasn't asking God to do anything for someone else that Paul himself hadn't done for someone else. You see, God had used Paul to heal people and perform miracles. And so Paul was asking God to just pour a little bit of that miracle power onto him in his situation, something that that had been happening for people all around him, something that Paul himself had been been doing through God's power. And he was just asking for God to pour a little bit of that power on him. So three times, Paul Paul begged God to remove this thorn in the flesh, and three times God said no. Now, that should be encouraging to us. I hope it's encouraging to you. It is encouraging to me when I read that. You see, again, God used Paul to radically change the world and tell people about a personal life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, and God still told Paul, this guy he loved, no, I've got a better plan. 
I've got something else I'm gonna do. If you've ever felt like that, if you've ever felt like Paul, if you've ever felt like God told you no, you can identify with Paul. And it's encouraging to me in those moments that even people like Paul still heard God say no to them. That should be encouraging to us. Now, God's answer to Paul wasn't based upon Paul's job performance as a Christian or whether or not he had enough faith. That should be encouraging to us as well. So there are many moments God's answer to you has nothing to do with the amount of faith that you have. It has nothing to do with how good of a job you're doing as a Christ follower. It has everything to do with God's plan in your life. Again, that ties us back to the foundational truth that we looked at last week that said, our difficult situations do not reflect how God feels about us. So when God says no, that does not mean God's angry. That does not mean that he's punishing us in some way. That does not mean if we just figured out the secret code, God would answer. That does, that does not mean that we've done something wrong and if we just had enough faith that God would show up. So again, God said no to even people like Paul. Now, verse nine, God gives an answer. So each time Paul asked, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So God said to Paul, listen, Paul, I'm not going to grant your request. I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. I'm not going to heal you like I've healed many other people around you. You're going to have to keep doing life with this thorn in the flesh. But here's what I am going to give you. I'm going to give you my grace. And my grace is all you need because my power works best through your weakness. Now, grace in this context is simply the ability to put one foot in front of the other. It's the ability to pull ourselves out of bed one more day and face another day of, of uncertainty. It's the ability to hold tightly to God knowing that that thorn just might be the thing holding us closely to God because that's what thorns do sometimes. Thorns drive us towards God in a way that when we don't have those thorns, we don't lean towards God. So God said, I'm not gonna give you what you're asking for, but I am gonna give you something even better. I'm gonna give you the strength to keep moving forward empowered by my grace. Now, I don't know what you think about when you read stuff like that, but here's what I think. I go, God, that's awesome for Paul. I mean, that's just great for Paul, but I don't want any of that. I mean, who wants that? I mean, no, I, I want God to work through my strength or stuff that I think maybe that I'm good at, or even if I'm not good at it, I want God to make me good at it. Um, I don't want God to work through my weakness. I want to be the, the pro football player that catches the, the, the winning Super Bowl touchdown pass and then bows down in the end zone for the, you know, thank God prayer. I want to be the pro baseball player that hits the home run and runs around the bases pointing to God going, it's all about him. It's awesome. This is great. We won. We won. This is amazing. I want to be the, yeah, Terrence does too. I want to be the, the actor that wins the Oscar and stands up for my acceptance speech and says, you know what? It really is all about God. See, I want God to leverage my strength or my talent. I don't want God to leverage my weakness. Which one of us does? 
Who here wants God to use their weakness? Now listen to how Paul responds to this. In verse nine, it continues, and Paul says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I wonder, who says that? I mean, who is this guy that he would say that after God says, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to work through your weakness. And Paul goes, that's awesome. That, that, is, that is great. And I, I think, you know, is Paul doing this spiritual reverse psychology thing? I mean, is, has he figured out the secret code? You know, like when God says no, do you say, oh, yes, God, this will be great. And then the, does God say, great, teachable moment is over. I'm going to give you what you were asking for. That's not what Paul's doing here. Paul's not playing some, you know, relationship gymnastics with God. Paul genuinely believed that God's no answer was the best possible answer for him in his situation. He believed it so much that later in Acts 20, Paul said this, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So that's the same grace that Paul discovered when he had a life-changing interaction with Jesus, when Jesus stopped him on the road that one day. It's the same grace that propelled him to tell everyone everywhere how they could meet Jesus and be changed by him. It's, it's the same grace that Paul used to risk his life going around everywhere, starting churches so those churches could transform communities. And it's the same grace that God gave him to move forward with that thorn in his flesh. So what's the application point for us? What do we do in our situations related to this story and God's answer for us? So here's the first thing that I think we we can do from this. Number one, you have permission to ask God to remove difficult things from your life. It's not a lack of faith when you do that. Paul did it. So you have full permission. When there's something difficult going on in your life, you can say, God, would you please remove this tormenting thing from me in my situation? There's a story that Jesus told his disciples in Luke 18. It's called the persistent widow story. And the point of that story was that Jesus wanted us, his followers, to understand that there are moments that he wants us to always pray and never give up, to continually pray. Like, so this persistent widow asked again and again and again and again and again, and finally, the, the uh, judge gave her what she was asking for. So it is very okay for you to say, God, would you please take this thing away? Not like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, it's very okay for you to enter a season of prayer where you ask God to remove some difficult thing in your life. Now, the second point for us is that we have permission to ask God to remove things and God has permission to say whatever he wants. So God can say no. God could say yes to your situation. Whatever you're asking, God could say yes, I'm gonna take that away. God could say, I want you to hold on to that a little bit longer because I'm still doing something else. Or God could say to you, I'm not taking that away. I'm going to leave it there. I've got a bigger purpose. I've got a bigger plan. I know you don't understand it, but I'm going to use this thorn. 
I'm going to use this tormenting thing in your life for a very good reason, something that you, you will not understand it, but I'm going to give you my grace and I'm going to give you my power so that you can keep moving forward with that thing. Now, the third thing is this. God just might choose to showcase his power on the stage of your weakness. God might use your weakness to be the the thing that he uses to display his power in the world and to people around you. That thorn just might bring more people to him than your strength ever could. God might use your weakness, your failure, your health issue that, that you wish he would take away to bring more people to him than you could ever bring to him in your strength. God's bigger plan in your life just might be to demonstrate his power through your weakness. Now, how do we let that happen? How do we get to the spot where Paul got, where we're allowing God to work through our weakness? I think it's found in in how Paul interacted with God. Paul submitted to God's will in that moment. Paul submitted to what God said. When God said no, Paul said, okay, and we're going to move forward with, with this. Now, I am pretty sure that Paul wasn't excited about God's answer. That's why he asked three different times. So there was one time he asked and God said no. So what did he do? He asked again and God said no. My grace is sufficient for you. And he asked again and God said no. So Paul got to the point where he said, listen, okay, if this thing is going to be in my life, this thorn in the flesh is going to stay with me, I'm going to have to figure out how to tap into God's power in a whole new way. And that's exactly what Paul did. Day after day, he reached beyond his thorn in the flesh to figure out how to thrive with God's answer And God worked powerfully through Paul and used that thorn in ways that Paul could never comprehend. And I think God's going to do the same thing in us in our difficult situation. So how will you respond when God says no? Maybe God's saying no to you right now. How are you responding? Maybe tomorrow you're going to ask God for something and he might say no. So how will you respond? You have a choice to deepen your faith and grow your faith in a relationship with Christ or to stay in the superficial path. There are people that say, God, if you're going to say no to the thing that I'm asking you to remove, well, then I'm out of this relationship. If that's how you work, I'm out. People do that all the time. You could spend all of your time and energy working harder and harder to figure out the secret code. Like maybe I have to attend more or give more or read more or whatever more. And you, you just keep working more and more trying to figure out how to break this secret code. And then you think, oh, once I find that thing, then God will say yes to this specific situation. People do that all the time. Or you can say, God, I'm choosing to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my thorn. I'm going to trust you with my difficulty. I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to ask you to remove this difficult thing. And if you don't, I'm going to be the person that allows you to display your strength and your power through my weakness. I'm going to submit myself to your will. And if you think about it, who else asked God the Father three times to take something away? Jesus. Think about that. God's son, God in the flesh said, God, if there's any other way, And for me to take the sin of the world, to invite people back into a relationship with you, so I don't have to die a horrible death on this cross. If there's any other way, point it out. But not my will, yours be done. 
He tied himself back to God's better plan for all of humanity. So what will you do when God says no? My prayer for all of us is that we'll learn to answer like Paul. That we'll say, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am really strong. Now that's a graduate level Christianity. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens moment by moment as we choose God's will and God's best plan for our lives day after day after day. You have to exercise those spiritual muscles to grow, to be like someone like Paul that would say, you know what? God, your will be done in this situation. If if you don't take this thing away, I'm gonna allow you to use it to bring more people to you. I'm gonna allow you to use your grace and your power to work through my weakness. Now, next week, we're gonna try to answer the question, what do you do when God isn't showing up when you want him to? You know, what do you do when, when the clock is ticking? You know, we're all, we've all had those situations where we're, we're looking at the clock. We only have a certain time frame to, for God to show up and do something miraculous, and God just isn't working on our time frame. He's not showing up when we want him to show up. So what do you do in those moments? How do you wrestle with that? How do you move forward in faith with God when he is showing up way too late? So we're gonna explore that next week together. So let's, um, let's pray together and, uh, and then we'll wrap out today's message. <laughs> Lord, this is some heavy stuff for us to carry in our relationship with you. Lord, we love when you say yes. We love to ask you for for something and we love it when you say, yes, you can have that or I'm gonna answer your prayer or I'm gonna show up supernaturally and Lord, sometimes we we just get on a cycle of, of chasing those kind of prayers and those kind of answers from you but there are moments when you say no and Lord, there are moments when, when you say that, that we start wrestling and wondering, like, what did we do wrong? Like, apparently we're not uh, working according to the secret code anymore. But Lord, as we've discovered this morning, even people like Paul heard you say no, because you had a bigger plan. You had something else that you were doing, Lord. You used that thorn in the flesh to keep Paul from becoming proud with his accomplishments and used it in other ways that he could only understand when, until he was in your presence. And God, you do the same thing for us. Lord, I pray for all of us when we hear the word no from you, that we would anchor ourselves back to the truth that will hold us tightly to you, that we will submit to your will and what you want done. And we would be the kind of people that would say our relationship with God is based upon what he can do, not what we can do. And we're gonna be the kind of people that allows God to work through our weakness to reach the world around us. Lord, help us to be people with Paul's kind of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I love this video. It's, um, we see chaos, we see madness, we see hurt, we see habits, 
And when we pray, we don't always want to hear that no. We don't, we don't respond like Paul and drop down to our knees and say, bring on the madness, bring it on. I want to go through this and come out on the other side. That's not always how we respond. But if you want to dive deeper in how to respond when God says no, we have something called the Spiritual Growth Challenge. And if you want to dive deeper into how to strengthen and be strong like Paul, um, I encourage you to pick up one of those on your way out. We have some back at the Connection Center over in the back, and also on our website on theepicchurch.com. You can download one of those today. My name is Cody Anderson, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, and I'm the leader of our Surge Youth Ministry, our high school and middle school student ministry here at Epic. And uh, before I let you out today, before you head out, I have a few announcements for you. Um, Our 3G Saturday is coming upon us in a few weeks. And here at Epic, one of our core values is that people matter. And we have a few opportunities coming up um, to where we're able to get out of the rows here, go out into the community, and impact Flagler County. So check out a few of these opportunities you have. Awesome. We have some great opportunities. We actually have six opportunities around Flagler County that we're going to be going on on 3G Saturday on April 5th to go out and serve the community. So if you'd like to learn more about those, you can jump online at theepicchurch.com. We have serving opportunities from first grade up to adults. So if you want to go and bring hope to our community, jump on there, sign up. It's on April 5th, and the deadline to sign up is March 30th. And for our surge group, we're actually going to be doing the beach cleanup at Vern Park. So we have to have you go on there, sign up so we can account for the amount of people that are going to be there. And then also we have these amazing reusable shirts that you can buy. If you want to wear them out into the community, you can jump back at the connection or right over by the connection center. See Joy going like that. If you haven't met Joy yet, she's back there. Awesome person. Um, Sign up for that. It is $10 to purchase a shirt. And you'd be amazed when you're out serving the community, the conversations that come up with people around watching you uh, serve the community. So sign up for that. And if you call Epic your home and you'd like to partner with us into bringing hope into our community, there's two ways that you could give here at Epic. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or we have boxes set up right behind the chairs behind you where you can give back there. If you're new with us here at Epic and this is your first time, we ask that you stop by the Connection Center on your way out. We'd love to personally meet you and give you a little information about our church. So everybody, thank you for coming. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you next Sunday.